0: Thank you, Susie uh, wanted to you might have seen a familiar face up here in the worship team today. I want to thank Eric for joining us. I didn't see where you sat down at, but um, thanks for joining us. Fun to have you back in the mix there um, and uh I want to welcome somebody, but I want to be sensitive to this since this is being recorded um, we have a um, we have someone visiting with us who uh, is on a, on a mission field in a faraway location. And I don't want to mention his name right now, but I do want to recognize him uh, right here. We um, have been uh, praying and, and supporting the work that he does uh, for a long time. And, and uh, of course, um, we, we also know uh, his parents and love them as well and, and are, are just thankful to be a part of what he's doing. I did want to ask, uh, without mentioning your name here, um, and by the way, you'll be—he's um, going to be speaking to us on July third, so we'll um, so we'll have that blessing as well. But I did want to ask: Do you have any message that you want to bring to us today? Okay, all right. So you will have to wait till July third. So, so we're, but we're we're thankful that you're joining joining us to worship together today, um, and we we know you're. You bring with you a a heart connected to the brothers and sisters that are far away. And so uh, it's kind of a special thing. We're going to open up to Exodus chapter 35 today. And um, we're going to move through part of this somewhat rapidly here, at least uh, as far as my pace is concerned, I guess. Um, We're going to pick up in verse 1. And we're going to notice through a a part of here, the the tail end of Exodus, we're going to notice some repetition. Um, And if you remember, um, one of the things that's going on here is that God has spoken to Moses and given him commands to pass on to Israel. And now we're at the point of, of the account here in Exodus where Moses is now, he's received the word that God has passed on to him, and now he's relaying those commands Um, to the people and then we are going to see a a bit of how the people are responding to that and so so that's kind of where we're getting into in the book of of exodus and uh, we are closing in on the end of the chapter believe it or not uh, it's going to happen fairly rapidly at this point um, for us and and uh, I I just want to start us out with um, with prayer Father, we open Your Word this morning to hear from You, to have Yourself reveal Yourself to us. Um, Lord, we just ask that You would speak to us Your truth in a way that we can comprehend, uh, in a way that we can understand that You, Holy Spirit, would be uh, our translator for us to help us to receive it in the depths of our hearts, that uh, the seed of Your truth would be sown there and take root. And uh, Lord, we ask that uh, you would just unify us uh, in your spirit, in your word, and in our common faith and in our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 35, verse 1. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Now this is a... a, a um, a repetition of a command that's previously been given, so it's not a new one to us as we go through the book of Exodus. In fact, we've seen it a couple other times before uh, being reiterated. And, uh, um, but what's interesting here is as Moses is getting ready to actually relay instructions, uh, a calling and um, commandments to, in, in how to build uh, the, the tabernacle of God. Um, Where he was going to make his presence known among his people, and so we've been learning about the design that the Lord is giving for how the tabernacle should be built, Um, and now we're getting to the place where this is—it's going to be implemented. the 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 uh, the plans have been drawn up, Um, you know, in our sort of our uh, our sort of cultural experience. Plans were drawn up. Everything's been signed off on. The engineering stamp is on it. The permits have been drawn. Um, it's, it's about ready to break ground here. And so that's kind of the point of the story we are at the tabernacle. But before Moses goes into to, excuse me, issuing the call for uh, Israel to participate in the construction of the tabernacle, he reminds them uh, of this command once again of the Sabbath. It is... It is as if to say, um, in all of your work for God, make sure He is the priority. So, a good reminder for us that we can get so busy working for God that we sort of abandoned connecting to Him, knowing Him, spending time with Him, or making Him uh, our God, our Savior, the priority of our life, but our work can actually become the priority of our life, and we justify it by saying it's for Him. And so there's this uh, reminder of this command goes out to Israel right on the outset there um, that even, even greater than the work that we do for Him is He that we do it for. Now the next, uh, in the next verse here, verse 4, it says, "...Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded." Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, and so on and so forth. And there's going to be a few of these verses here that I'm not going to read completely through here. we've, For one, have it's almost verbatim what we've previously uh, uh, gone through, but I want to uh, spend more time on a couple of other things here. One is, uh, you're going to see a theme come up, and while this is... Uh, While this has already been spoken to Moses, and we've already seen this word, now Moses is relaying it to the people uh, verbatim here. It says, whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. And we're going to see here in this passage today, there is a strong theme uh, related to that. It is a a calling that's being issued here for... um, by God through Moses for skilled craftsmen, uh, for those who can contribute, who have some, some materials or something uh, some, some that they possess that is, is needed for the construction of the tabernacle, whether it be a skill they possess or materials, uh, wealth that they possess. Um, it's, there's a call being issued That all who have a generous heart, all who have a heart for what God is doing among you, to come and bring your gift, your contribution. And um, and we're going to see this, we're going to get into this a bit more. First, I want to drop down there to verse 10, um, where we see a specific calling going to those skilled craftsmen. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And then it goes on to list those things that have been commanded to be constructed. But the call is... So first we have this call to whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. And then we have, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And we're going to actually get into that a little bit more um, next week as we... uh, Drop down to verse thirty and following, where the craftsmen become a uh, more of a part of the the story here directly, but uh, but there is a, a a really cool thing that's happening here among among God's people, and that is there's a you know we're working towards here. Um, the construction of the tabernacle and the, constr- and the putting together of the priestly garments and all of that, where the priests are then going to be serving in a capacity there for the people, and the tendency is to think that um, sort of you know it's it's uh, that sort of the the godliest part of this whole equation is the priests or something like that. But the reality is that God uses the entirety, the giftedness of all the people, those who have, are of willing heart to be a part of what God is doing to make it all happen. It is very similar to what we read in the New Testament about the gifts within the body of Christ. That, there is not a, that there's not a, a, a gift that we sort of elevate above others in the sense of, of of people being uber important because they possess a certain gift, but rather we read that God gives gifts according to His prerogative, according to His purpose, to individuals within the body of Christ to serve the body of Christ in whatever ability and capacity He has given them to do. And that looks different for each person. Each member of the body of Christ is going to look different. Your, the, the, the type of availability you have is different. We're, we're at different stages of life. Um, the type of, of even energy that you have to give to certain things. Uh, the way your mind works. Uh, the, the, the specific gifting of the Holy Spirit uh, in your life. All these things are just uh, very unique but tailored to what Jesus is doing in his, with His bride, the church. And uh, and so we see here already a glimmer of a foreshadowing of something coming. God working in His people here in Exodus and calling those of a willing heart, those who have been given a skill, and really that skill. Ultimately, we know where does it come from. It comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth, Creator of mankind. And so any, anything which we bring has been entrusted to us really as a steward, not as one who possesses. And so we bring it for His glory. The people are to bring it really as an act of worship. This is really, uh, in, it, it's, it's not not so much a call to uh, come and give, come and serve. It, really even greater than that, it is a call to worship. A worship through the contribution, a worship through the exercising of, of whatever skill and and artistry and uh, craftsmanship that they have been given. Now, as we get, we're gonna move down here to verse twenty. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed in the presence of uh, from the presence of Moses. So they've been given the call has been issued to them. Uh, they've been given instruction. And now we get to see what do they do? How do they respond now um, it, now they the, the, the Israelites here through exodus have often deserved a bad rap, uh, but uh, we also need to be a little bit cautious about sort of uh, lumping good apples and bad apples all into the same basket. We ought to recognize that that even though they had a a bent to be faithless that there is still a a sort of glimmer of hope here. Um, There there is still some good happening within God's people. Even though they're referred to previously in our passage as a stiff-necked people, um, yet God is still um, penetrating the hearts and minds of some of the people, and uh, so as we get in here, we get to see the response. Verse twenty-one, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him. It says, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting. Tent of meeting also being sort of uh, swapped out here. Tabernacle, tent of meeting. We'll we'll see those terms, and for all um, for all its service, and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sort of uh, gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood uh, of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they all brought what they had had spun uh, in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill. Spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod, and for the breastpiece, and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, uh, work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the to the Lord see a very, very strong theme here in these verses about the contributions that are given, the the skills being offered for service, that it is all being done um, by people who have a heart for what God is doing, who have a love for Him, who have a desire to, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to please Him. And the beautiful thing here to me that gives hope to, should give hope to us, uh, is that it was not too long ago here, at least in terms of, of the counting of our verses, where, where we're reading about this stiff necked people that God is saying, you know what? You guys go on your own. You guys go on, and I'll send a representative of mine, but uh, I'm going to keep my distance. And uh, Moses intercedes for his people and pleads with them, and we know that God says, "All right, I'm going to stick with you." Here. Excuse me here, um, but it, it is a clear that it is we're talking about a broken and sinful people, and yet here they're still being moved by what God is doing. Um, it, it the reason it, it gives me hope is for I guess the obvious reason that uh, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. We, we bring the baggage of our, our, our sinfulness. Uh, and God has called us to become a part of His family through Jesus Christ. And in doing so, it is Ephesians 2.8 and 9 that God has brought us into His family uh, by His grace through faith in Christ. And then Ephesians 2.10 has now given us something to do. He has called us into service, into giving and serving as a part of his family to his glory. It wasn't as if we kind of needed to all show up uh, like having all been perfectly, uh, perf- having perfectly arrived to the standard of Christ, but he actually is in the process of us giving and serving, is growing us into Christ's likeness. It is actually part of us growing in Christ. As it is here, part of the people growing towards faith in the Lord who has saved them. As we look at the response of, of the Israelites to God's call here, and uh, we see that uh, this call to those who who have willing hearts, who have a, a heart towards what God is doing here. I, want to, I just want to point out some of these phrases that are in here. Uh, one, it says... Uh, um, one, it it does appear to us, based on the context here, that not everybody responded. I don't know what that looked like, but it appears that not everyone responded, but rather those whose hearts are willing. But here's what we see in verse 21. Everyone whose heart stirs Him. Everyone whose spirit moved Him. Verse 22, all who were of a willing heart. Verse 23, everyone who possessed materials that were needed, uh, and the implication, because of the context, is everyone who possessed those materials that were needed and had a willingness to be a part of what God was doing, a heart for what being uh, glorifying God through the giving of that. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution. Um, so there is uh, tied to this willingness uh, giving by whatever means they have to give. Um, verse 24, again, everyone who possessed needed materials, uh, similar to what we saw there in the previous verse. Verse 25, every skillful woman. Again, the context is uh, that, and it says that they they spun what they could and they brought it with them. The context again is every woman who was skillful um, and whose heart was moved to participate in this work that God was doing. Verse twenty-six, all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill, verse twenty-seven, the leaders then also it mentions specifically what brought needed materials for this. And verse twenty-nine, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them, brought needed materials, contributions, and skills and craftsmanship as a free will offering, as an act of worship, as an act of thanksgiving. To Yahweh. Now, as we read all of this, and we see um, in in our context of of the the the, the church age, have Christ having come, and we now live in the light of of His sacrifice for us, um, that we see that uh, a foreshadowing here of of the church. We see the foreshadowing of the effect of God on 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 mankind through His Spirit in calling us together as His family to serve Him. And so as we, as we consider uh, some of the implications here for us and the applications for us, I wanted to look at uh, the New Testament um, because one of the things that we see actually in the New Testament is we see Paul on a few occasions uh, commending the churches for participating in their giving of contributions to help with other churches who are in need. And, um, and, and there's some really important stuff here I wanted to look at. So first we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So Paul actually alludes here that um, I, I I think it's pretty safe to say Paul has confidence that God is going to supply whatever he needs for the work that he's going to do, but he also recognizes God uses people. God uses the churches often to supply those needs directly. Through them and um, and he says now this there's a there's a, a, a fruitfulness attached um, connected to their participation with Paul through their contribution, verse eighteen. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Um, now Paul Paul acknowledges with thanksgiving the effect that it has on him personally, but he, he points to something greater than that. He um, said, so This is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, this, this brings to light that when um, that as we look at Exodus and we see this call go out that there is a there is a need Uh, in the community of God the tabernacle has been commanded to be constructed and there's a call issued to all those who can who can contribute in, in whatever means that they have to contribute there's a call going out for them to participate in what God is doing and so there's a response then that we begin to see in exodus to this need some respond apparently by um kind of ignoring it and going on with life others are moved become a part of it compelled by their love for God and their desire to see him glorified uh, and as we get into the new testament and we begin to see churches growing the gospel spreading um what happens is then there there are needs but we see an interesting thing from the old testament to the new testament one of the things that we see shifting uh and or or, or just completely changed really rather is that we go from a. Uh, 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 Exodus setting where there is a, a place of God dwelling, there is a place of worship, um, there is a, a, a place tied to the, the worshiping and, and the serving of God, into the New Testament where now it says that believers become the temple, the place where God lives and dwells among believers and so the focus goes rather from a tabernacle or a temple or a place to a people a people called now there was a focus certainly on that in the old testament i do not mean to say that there was no focus on the people of god as being of of a high priority but we don't see priority in the new testament placed on the construction of a building or a place where we gather to worship. But rather, the building of the church, the people of God, the family of God, called to represent Him here on earth. And so what we see then as we get into Acts, and we'll, we're going to look at some stuff there in a minute, um, is that as needs arose within the church, um, what's interesting is that, and th- this is not to... Uh, to, to um, get away from realities of, of related to buildings that we meet in and whatnot. But, the, but what we see there is that when needs are discussed, we don't see needs for um, new building projects and things like that. We see needs for the people of God in certain locations that they have a need in order to carry out whatever service they've been called to do in that portion of the world that God has put them and so we see an interesting thing in the New Testament that shifts really to focus on what are the needs of the church, the people gathered to worship God and represent Him in the world. What needs do they have to continue the ministry and mission that they have been called to do? Now sometimes there are physical things associated with that that have to be met, but, but there's uh, certainly Paul... Takes a look at that, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But there is a giftedness, also, or a, a, a return on that, not only for the kingdom of God when people participate, but there's also a blessing that comes to the one who's giving. And Paul makes mention of this here that he says uh, um, there's fruit connected. For their sake, there's fruit connected to this giving, uh, and, and that this is a fragrant offering. So there's a, a blessing in it being an offering and an act of worship. And then 19, there's also this blessing that when, you're, when you are a person who, who gives generously, serves generously out of a heart to please God and worship Him, there's this beautiful thing that happens that Paul mentions in this verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Like um, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and these things are going to be taken care of. These things that you fret and worry about in life, you, you focus on the kingdom of God, contributing, giving, serving the kingdom of God. These things are going to be taken care of by the one you serve. Proverbs nineteen verse seventeen says, "Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds." Uh, that's that's a great lending strategy. Uh, you you don't get a better cosigner than that. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to who? The Lord. And who repays? The Lord. Um, Proverbs 28.8 Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for who? For him who is generous to the poor. You get that? So if you take your time and talent and you pour it into just making yourself wealthy, Proverbs says you're doing that for the benefit of the one who's generous because God's going to end up returning that somehow to the person who's generous. Now that doesn't always come in the form of, uh, as we know, of physical wealth or prosperity or something like that. But God has a promise here that the blessing returns to the one who participates in the kingdom of God and what God is doing. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, actually, I want you to turn there with me. By the way, there is, there is so much related to this uh, conversation uh, of, of contributing and serving. Um, we're just barely scratching the surface here. So there are probably multiple passages that may come into your own mind. I would ask you just write those down and come back, double back to those later. Um, one of them that I would make mention of here to you is Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks uh, uh, the, tells the parable of the talents. We're not going to go there today, but uh, go there. I would encourage you to spend some time. Matthew chapter twenty-five, parable of the talents. Go back there, spend a little time in that this week. Um, Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse one. Paul writes uh, here: Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry uh, for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing for you, for being so confident. So uh, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. So there was a, a just a little context. There was uh, a need that existed within the larger church body, not the immediate local church setting here, but there was a need in the broader church body that the that uh, the church here that Paul writes to, um, that they had an ability to help meet that need. And in fact, they were moved to do so and had expressed a desire to to do that, but for whatever reason, it wasn't ever really followed through on. And so Paul is making reference to that, that um, he wants to encourage them to follow through with that gift that they had committed to. Uh, Verse 6, the point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So we see Paul again uh, referencing that there's a connection uh, between your fruitfulness and the way you give towards what God is doing. Um, So uh, verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. There's a larger uh, passage here that this is sitting within that actually you would want to back up and probably read chapter eight along with this. Um, but what Paul is uh, uh, talking about here is so there was a need in the broader church. Um, in fact, if we, uh, we're going to look at um, wh- that need here and, in Acts in just a moment, but there was a need in the broader church. Uh, the church here in, in Corinth had the, the opportunity to respond to that need, and they had committed to do so. Paul's saying, hey, I want you to follow through with that and, uh, and reminds them that there's this principle of giving in the kingdom of God, that whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And, um, and, and also reminds them that God doesn't want you to give just begrudgingly, uh, just merely out of duty, or and especially not out of guilt or something like that, and certainly not to get noticed, but rather to give with a cheerful heart, that you want to be a part of what God is doing. That out of your love for Christ and out of your love for the family of God, that you want to step in and help out. And uh, so we're gonna. I want to look at, at uh, several things, and we're gonna kind of take a look at a few of the things that are mentioned in, that Paul mentions in this passage, and uh, as we think about applying what we kind of see in Exodus, and then we see echoed in the New Testament in the setting of, of Christ and the church and the, and the coming of the Holy Spirit first one is this, that there's a relationship between our generous giving and serving and fruitfulness that we have. Um, I would say this is on the individual level, but certainly at the church level, the church body level, that collectively the heart that we have towards giving and serving for the sake of the kingdom of God, um, that that is going to have a correlation with the type of fruitfulness that we see. Uh, if we give sparingly, if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. And when one of the things that I, I would commend this church on, and I've just seen it so many times, and certainly we want to lean into the wind and keep pressing forward and keep growing in this, but one thing I would commend this church body on is when there's a need, uh, there's a response. Uh, whatever that need may be, whether, uh, whether it's serving through some capacity that you have, a skill, uh, a gift set, some experience, or whether it's resource that you have that can help meet that need. I've just seen so many times this church step up to the plate and uh, uh, sometimes together as a church body and sometimes so quietly that you'd never know it even happened um, that this church body steps up and and seeks to represent God towards one another uh, in this community and even farther farther abroad um, to um, to be generous in your serving and your giving and um, it, it is it is highly commendable and as we're gonna see as Paul mentions here it is a uh, it is a testimony to your faith in Christ. It is a testimony to the gospel message being lived out. It is the fragrant offering, the fragrance of Christ, uh, being shared from uh, one group of believers to another. In fact, in Second Corinthians chapter nine verse six, there, um, of course, he says that that there's a fruitfulness connected to that. And as a church body, uh, we want to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. That that's our heart. Um, I feel confident in saying, having, having spent time with many of you talking through the affairs of the church and talking through uh, 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 just different issues, and, and, and as we meet together to study the scriptures and to pray together and all of that, that the collective heartbeat of this church is we, we, want, we really want to see Christ lifted high and exalted. We really want to see his church thrive. We really want to see the lost receiving the Gospel message and being brought into the Kingdom of God. And, um, and the generosity that this church body has had is a reflection of that heart. We, uh, we, we aren't just wanting to take, a, take this, little, this light that God gave us and put it under a bushel basket. We want, we want to represent Him well. We want to be faithful. We want to be found faithful at the end of our days. And, uh, you know, when we're all in heaven, uh, we're going to give an accounting for ourselves. Um, First of which is going to be, have have we received uh, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? That we may enter into His kingdom as a member of the family of God. Um, And... uh, but the second thing that we're going to experience as believers is that there's going to be an accounting of what did you do. Uh, I put you there for a reason. I called you. I, uh, as Ephesians two ten says, that we're created in His workmanship for good works that He's prepared for us to do. Did we walk in them? Were we faithful? Were we faithful stewards of what He entrusted to us? And uh, and as a and I believe that you know when we look at Revelation and we and we see the way that uh, the churches are addressed there, and um, uh, there's certainly multiple things going on there in Revelation, but one of the things we see is we see God addressing churches. As a church body, as a local representation of Christ here in our community, that there's also accountability for that. How do we steward what God entrusted to us? Second thing is this, God calls those who are of a willing heart um, to give and serve as they have ability to do so. Uh, this Now we're going to look at in Acts chapter 11. Acts, first, Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 44. As the church was beginning to, to grow and expand and the gospel was penetrating the hearts of people and they were responding by faith in Christ, Here's what it looked like. Verse chapter 2 verse 44 and all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So as the church is growing, there were needs that were arising within the community of believers. And believers took it upon themselves to look out for each other and help each other as needs arose. And they, they held a priority um, for what God was doing over a priority of what they wanted to accomplish. So, priority was given to here's what God is doing investing into the kingdom of God. As needs arose, they sought to meet them. And it says the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. What Paul said to the Corinthians about sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly, sowing bountifully and reaping bountifully, we see that being lived out here in the early church. Also in Acts chapter 11, as we turn further over into Acts chapter 11. Now in, in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea and they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So, so we see this need arise um, in, in uh, a faraway church where believers have an ability to help meet that need, and the disciples determined, what's our ability to help out here? And then they decided to send it and, uh, and, and do what they could. So we see, we see this flowing, this heart of, of caring for those in need flowing through the Scriptures, especially within the family of God. Now, this, it's not unlike what happens probably in your family, right? So, if you see someone in need, you have a heart and a desire to help them. But if you see someone in your family in need, it, it goes like priority level one, right? I mean, there, there, you have an understanding that we look out for each other in the family of God. There's a priority to that. Uh, and there's always a priority to helping people in need, but especially within our family. And so it is with the church, the family of God. That we look out for one another in such a way. And God desires believers to be cheerful and generous in the way we do this with thankful hearts. Consider Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, that says, It was for the joy that was set before him that Christ endured uh, the cross. Think about that language. It wasn't the joy of the cross itself. Jesus, Jesus wasn't excited about that. In fact, we even see him in the garden say, Father, if, you know, if there, there's another way. But, uh, but nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. There was a willingness to go to the cross to pay for our sins, to take upon the wrath of God for us, for the joy that was set before him. Even Jesus on the cross. Uh, modeled this for us third thing is this when God's call to give meets our desire and heart to give we should take action uh, this is one of the things that Paul's addressing here in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 is that there was a a need that arose the people were made aware of it they had a, a collective heart to meet that need to the point where they even said hey uh, we, we'll, we'll promise to do something about this, but then there wasn't a follow-through. And Paul's doubling back here in Second Corinthians chapter 9 to say, hey, I want to I encourage you guys to follow through with what you've committed to do. God moved in your hearts to participate in this. He's given you the means to. He's brought, brought you the need. Now, do something. Don't just stand there. Jump in. fourth thing is this generous and and joyful giving to to other believers in need is a powerful encouragement and testimony of the gospel and a fragrant offering to Christ Uh, look at verses in in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11 through 13 there he says you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. See, Paul making mention here that there our there's There's faith being testified to the power of Christ is being testified to through the giving um, of one church to another here It's a fragrant offering as we from one bol- group of believers to another now i I would say uh, uh, one of the interesting dynamics here is that there was a a um type of spiritual contribution that was that was flowing. Uh, we saw Paul there, or uh, in Acts chapter 11, we see this need arise uh, in Jerusalem and, the, and uh, the believers there, and that there was a need that arose, and that there were other churches that could help out there. And, um, and one of the things that, that we see there is there's a sp- still a spiritual contribution flowing from Jerusalem to the other churches, but they had need of some resource that other churches could supply to them. And so the churches were actually be a ble- being a blessing to one another and a help to one another just in different ways as they had means to do so. And I, I think this is a beautiful thing is for us as a church we to, to be able to assess what do we have to contribute and to help where others have need uh, because we know that the way the family of God works in God's economy, that there are going to be things that we're going to need that God is also going to supply to us because he loves his church. He shepherds his church. God stewards his own resources according to his power and plan. And so we can trust him with that and we want to partner with him in that. The fifth thing is this, when we give or serve generously from thankful hearts, and I want to stress here that um, the word giving here does, is not only associated with monetary value. It is, a, as we see in Exodus and as we see throughout the New Testament, it is, it's a giving as we have ability. Um, you know somebody who needs some wood split, they're in need, and you can split wood. There's a service there that you can give. Right? There are all sorts of ways that we can give. You know somebody who's who's wrestling over some understanding of a passage of Scripture and God's given you an ability to bring understanding to that, that's a way you can give and serve. When we give or serve generously from thankful hearts, we are imitating our God and what He's done for us. That's what Jesus said He came to do. He came to do His Father's will. He came to speak what His Father gave Him to say and do what His Father gave Him to do. Uh, should it be any different for us? And we, we have this constant wrestling with our flesh and kind of this pull to kind of make life about ourselves. But uh, the Spirit is teaching us a new way to walk and step with Him, to imitate um, our Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And so, we in that likeness, in that spirit, if we are to walk in that, we begin less and less to view the, the stuff of this world, whether it's, whether it's our, our intellect or, or our occupation, uh, the place we dwell, uh, the finances that have been entrusted to us, um, some skill set, uh, certainly the giftedness that comes from the Spirit of God, that all those things, uh, we're merely stewards. These things have been entrusted to us. They're not ours to hold on to. They're not ours to keep. And, um, and and God can pluck them out of our hand in a heartbeat if we're unfaithful. We want to be faithful stewards. and We want to work towards the glory of God. We want to imitate the heart of God as He has been generous to us. And uh, I just... Uh, you know, I want to I thank you, uh, church, for, um, I, I think, setting a great example in this department. I, I just, I, I, you know, there's always, there's always work to be done. There's always room for improvement. We realize that. And God is teaching us. He's growing us. He's stretching us together. But I just, I just see that generosity that flows out of the gospel for what God has done for us. I see it present here. And, it, and it's it's beautiful. It is joy giving. It's life giving. And um, I I just uh, I just want to commend you on that. And I I just want to encourage you to press forward in that. It is it is um, one of the one of the certainly one of the attributes of this church body I believe. And uh, we just want to make it shine even more. Um, and so I want to encourage you in that church. Keep doing the good work that God lays before you. And as he moves your heart to participate, step in, jump in. And uh, unlike the Corinthians there that uh, seemed like for whatever reason there was a delay in their response and follow through, Um, when God brings you to the need and he's given you an ability to do something about it, um, maybe you need to partner with others and bring them in on it, but let's do something about it. We pray um, all the time that um, that this is what God would do, right? I mean, that the inclination of our prayers sometimes we don't even know what to pray. We just it's more generally, uh, Lord use us, and uh, and so when He brings us to that place where He can use us, um, we, we don't we don't need uh, a lot of times to take a, a lot of time to to think it over, um, right? We've been praying, God use us, and or you know when we say God. Uh, Help, help me to step out and share the gospel for you, and then uh, and then somebody comes into our life that needs to hear the gospel, and we go, "Well, well is this the moment <laughs> yeah that 's the moment you 've been praying for it, God brought it to you. go for it, um, and so we as a church just want to be in a state of readiness to be able to step into these things and and um, you do a great job and keep it keep it up church um, and I, I just want to ask you just leave you with some challenging uh, questions here, just to consider for yourselves um, as we because uh, I heard somebody the other day say um, you know that sometimes we question God am I, uh, God am I really saved and or wonder have that question and and uh, this, the, his response was if you 're questioning whether you 're saved or not, the answer is probably yes, you are uh, the, the fact that you have a heart that wants to be right with God and you 're pressing forward in that um, Communicate something about, about where your heart is before God. But, and so as we consider that we have a heart, I think collective heart in this church to be generous and to give and to contribute and to be, participate in what God is doing, we want to press forward in that. So part of that is thinking. Is there ways we can improve on that? So I just want to leave you with some of these questions. Does, does your, your giving of your time or your skill, your finances reflect the generosity and joy of your Savior? Um, he, he's been generous and joyfully so. Uh, do, does your heart in, in your giving and in serving reflect that? Do you give and serve intentionally as a free will offering to him? Uh, is, it, is it a part of your worship, your walk with him? And have you responded to God's call to join him in building his family um, with the gospel message and encouraging other believers through your good works? And uh, that's something we're all called to participate in. And I just want to continue to encourage you to step into that church. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for your goodness. We thank you for, Lord, this, this truth that you have laid your life down for us, that you have blessed us in so many ways. Lord, that you have poured out your spirit upon the church um, to equip her with everything needed to carry out the mission entrusted to us and and lord we ask that you would find us all faithful in doing what you've called us to do lord we ask that you would empower us and equip us with whatever resource or ability or strength or character is needed to fulfill what you've given us to do we we ask that you would help us to be the light of christ here in our community that you would cause us to be an encouragement to other um, bodies of believers, uh, to spur them on in the work that you've called them to. Uh, Lord, give us wisdom in stewarding your stuff for your glory and your purpose. And uh, Lord, may you be glorified through us and through the work that you've called us to and through the manner in which we do it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, uh, God did not sow sparingly when He gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. He sowed generously, and so us, let us in likeness to that, as the Lord has sown generously through His Son, let us sow generously in the way we live and move as the church representing He who laid His life down for us. Uh, Lord, bless and keep you, empower you, to, uh, and equip you with whatever... Ability and resources necessary to do what he's put before you, the need he's brought before you, church. uh, uh, You've been faithful in the little stuff and you've been faithful in the big stuff. Uh, Keep pressing into that faithfulness and let us be an example of that. Lord bless and keep you.